Locked On NBA. The biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Dallas to speak with Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavs about Luka Doncic and his ankle injury. We then go to Detroit to speak with Matt Shook of the Locked On Pistons podcast about Blake Griffin's health and what he looks like for the future. And lastly, we go to Sacramento to speak with Matt George of Locked On Kings about how Sacramento has managed to tread water without De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley for big stretches of time and what this means for their team as we move into the rest of December. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Make sure you are following me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about in today's episode of Locked On NBA, so let's get to it. Now I bring in one of the forlorn hosts of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Nick Angstat is here with me to uh, commiserate, to discuss the injury to Luka Doncic over the weekend. Nick, it's not all bad though because the uh, injury isn't as uh, as bad as I guess what it uh, may have seemed initially when Doncic rolled his ankle, uh, stepping on a foot and then uh, yeah, inverting it and ankle bone touching the floor. It looks like we're looking at only a couple of weeks absence here. Yeah, so it's not as bad as as everyone thought. And as soon as you see something, as soon as you see an injury, and a lot of us that you know didn't go to medical school and don't really know how the human body works besides just our own, is when you see something like that, you think, oh man, like he separated all the ligaments and all the whatever is down there, and we just freak out immediately. The guy's gonna be out for forever. But they're calling it a moderate right ankle sprain, so it's not too bad, not too good either. It's like literally moderate, right in the middle. Uh, it looks like he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. He was putting weight on it right after the game. He left, you know, he walked out of the arena on his own power. He was also, according to ESPN's Tim McMahon, he was like using the underwater, you know, treadmill. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but the yep. Mavericks have one of those in their arena. And so he was using that after the game, which is, you know, seems like a positive thing that he was able to put weight on it and was able to use that, you know, underwater treadmill. And so it's not too bad, but this team without Luca is just. It's tough. Uh, they were able to respond pretty well last night against the uh, Miami Heat, and uh, we'll see how they do in this this next stretch, which is just a, a brutal stretch against the the East's best teams. Yeah, they take on the Bucks, the Celtics, and then the Sixers and the Raptors. They are the next four games, so that is real rough. Then they have the Spurs and Warriors, and then back with the Lakers. So it is uh, a tough stretch of games that Doncic is going to miss. He'll probably miss all of those ones that we just mentioned. Not ideal in that scenario. But you're right; people freak out. They see that ankle bone touch the floor, but. Doncic's teammate suffered an injury very similar to that. Christos Porzingis is a member of the Knicks. I believe he returned the next night uh, after suffering an injury. So uh, people's ligaments respond differently. The, the thing that worried me a little bit with it is you, you try, when you're in this industry for you know, a long time, you can pass reporter and coach speak through. And the fact that you know, the initial report came out as, oh, it, it's only a, a moderate sprain. You go, okay, well, that, that makes people think, oh, moderate sprain, who cares? I'll sprain my ankle a hundred times. Like that, That's fine. <laughs> but if it was actually minor, then the report would come out saying it's a mild ankle sprain and he's considered day-to-day. So immediately when that moderate came out, you go, okay, well, he's missing weeks here. But again, that could have been two weeks. It could have been six weeks. So on that two-week scale, 
It, it is a positive there, but again, it's not just your garden variety basic ankle sprain that is going to uh, cause players to miss a, a game or so at most. So that, that it's not a great time for it to happen, but as we discussed before coming on in, it's better to happen now than it is to happen in May or in June, depending on how this team is going, because they are third in the Western Ooh. Conference at the moment. Hey, I'm not, I'm not, not saying it's going to happen, but... When you're third in the Western Conference, you know, almost two months into the season, you have to start thinking uh, expectations uh, push into the playoffs. Who um, who fills the hole? Obviously, you can't feel what Doncic does, but how uh, how is Carlisle going to respond to this? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting question. Uh, he seems to be really attached to his bench unit. Also, DeLon Wright is just coming back from an injury. Those, the Miami game was his first game back from missing a couple. He's been really the, the leader of the bench unit, unless J.J. Barea is in. And Jalen Brunson got the start in the second half in that Miami game. And so it looks like he might get the start and they, they stick with DeLon right off the bench. They're really attached to that lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if DeLon Wright got the start instead. And so those guys are going to take his you know literal place in the starting lineup. But to pick up the scoring load, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been playing really well. Uh, I thought that it was all just, you know, Luca you know, pushing him to new heights, but it, it, he surprised me in this, the second half of the um, the game against Miami. He's he's making better decisions. He's taking better shots. And so hopefully we see this new Tim Hardaway Jr. continue as Luca's out. And this is a time right now for Christoph Porzingis to prove to the Mavericks that he's back from his injury, that he can score on his own, that he doesn't just need Luca. He's not just a finisher. He can actually get the ball, score in the post, score in the mid-range on his own. I think that's going to be a big thing over these next couple of weeks or as long as Luca's out. I think we sort of saw that in that Miami game. He did play a little bit better in that uh, action, and, and Hardaway stepped up. And when you, we see guys like Doncic go down, it's not a matter of who replaces the minutes, who replaces the starting role. There's, there's that, and there's who takes the shots, who, where does the offensive pecking order go, where does the ball handling and creation and all that sort of stuff. So there's multiple gaps to fill here. It's not just like uh, yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith goes down, so we need to finish uh, fill out 30 minutes on the wing of someone who does nothing, and Justin Jackson would be perfect for that role. But we're, we're, I had to get that in just for you, Nick. But we're, it's we, your thing. We just need to... Um, yeah, there's so many roles that, that Doncic fills on this team that there are multiple players that are going to have to fill. And Carlisle is no stranger to using multiple players in multiple roles at multiple times in multiple games to really mix things up to try and find the right mix. So it could be rough for these next couple of games as they try and find that right mix with Doncic... Um, with Doncic missing, but yeah, you know, in in terms of this team and, and how things are, are looking, you know, how much do you, do you still like look at it and go, well, is this a mirage? Is is a bubble gonna burst? I think when everyone is healthy, I think this team has proven that they you know can beat some of the best teams in the NBA. They beat the Lakers team. They should have beat the Lakers twice, honestly, if that yeah, Dwight Howard true. foul had been called against Seth Curry. And so that was a huge one. The only team that really, actually the only loss the Mavericks have taken that wasn't a clutch game, like within five points, under five minutes, or, or even less than that, was against the Clippers. They're the only team that was really beat the pants off this Mavericks team uh, with Luka, I guess. And so that is that to me just, I think it just shows that this Mavericks team was for real. Luka was obviously a huge part of that. But the Mavericks have, have won a couple games when Luka hasn't had you know, otherworldly games. Obviously, he's still contributing. Obviously, he's still been been fairly good. But there was a game earlier this season against Denver where the Mavericks bench really showed up. And Luka, I think, only scored 12 points in the game. And the Mavericks bench you know, stepped up. And in this Miami game, when Luka goes out, the Mavericks bench really stepped up in the second half. If you look at the, the splits between quarters, the Mavericks were just a completely different team against Miami uh, in the second half. And so I think that this this bench, I think, hopefully can support them while Luka is out. 
And maybe they can prove, you know, maybe this proves that the Mavericks are more for real if the this cast of characters can prove to not just be like it's just Luca and no one else. Like maybe somebody can step up and maybe a couple guys can prove that this team is for real. Well, Nick, you've always got Courtney Lee if uh, things get dire, so he can he can step in and maybe start a couple more games uh, during this stretch. six minutes here. Yeah, just 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 the occasional five minutes start for Courtney Lee. But of course, this is, this is a tough run, so it is going to be hard to get get a real you know, read on this team over this time. It would have been great to see you know, full strength going up against the best teams in the East to see where they sit, but we're not really going to get a good read of that. But of course, again, yeah, not the best news, but obviously far from the worst news with this uh, report on the severity of Doncic's injury, and we're all going to. Be be waiting for him to come back and uh, take his place and steer the Mavericks into the playoffs. Hopefully, Nick, you can hear about it all over on Locked On Mavs. Thanks for jumping on with Locked On uh, NBA with me. Absolutely. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and using Locked On NBA at checkout. That's casper.com slash locked NFL and using Locked NBA at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Now I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Matt Shook is here with me today. Matt, um, Blake Griffin. I think we'll start with him. What is, uh, what's going on? Because Griffin obviously missed the beginning of the season with that hamstring tightness. He hasn't looked the same since he's been back. And then over the weekend, he had to, uh, well, he couldn't return to the game due to knee soreness. Where are we at with this current issue that caused uh, Griffin to miss the end of that game across the weekend? Yeah, so I mean, I, he kind of looked like he was slowly getting back to his old self uh, about last year's progress, you know, as, as he kind of worked back. But like you said, setbacks these last few games, he looks shaky really for three games in a row now. And like you said, wasn't able to go back into the game on Saturday night against the Rockets in the second half. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's officially questionable for tomorrow or for tonight's game against the Wizards in Detroit uh, on Monday night. But, uh, you know, I don't know. That seems a little bit optimistic to me. I'd say he's less than questionable. I, I wouldn't think that he's going to be able to play. It just looks like one of those things where he should probably sit down for a week or so, maybe even a little bit longer. And, uh, the, you know, they went with all the load management talk this year. They were one of the teams that really didn't do much load management last season. And uh, Dwayne Casey has talked about how he and Derek Rose and Blake Griffin and all those guys will, will get a little bit of load management this year. And that really has not been the case. So a little bit of a mystery, but I would certainly anticipate him not playing on Monday night. What do you make of how he's actually looked when he's been on the court this season? Because we know last season he started out red hot, and you talked about that load management stuff last year. He was playing a ton of minutes, and then obviously it didn't work out too well down the end of the season when he was out with a knee injury. But this season he has not been the same guy at, at, at all, really. Like he's shooting putrid percentages under 37% from the field, 27% from three. His playmaking is down. His potential assists, his assists, his passes, he's not being used in, in a, the same sort of way to me as how he was used last season. And this is also with the absence of Reggie Jackson. So I thought he'd you know, take on more of a ball handling role. Is there a chance that this is the best we're getting of, of Griffin, or is it just a, a slow start to the season that it's coming out because i'm really concerned about where he is from here yeah i think even like the usage rate like you said being a little down is a little bit by design we all know what happened last year with him basically breaking down in the last couple weeks of the season and then missing a couple of the playoff games against milwaukee as well and certainly not being near 100 percent when he did play but i mean if you watch blake griffin play i mean obviously you know it goes without saying that he's not the same player he was as a young player but now even last year when he was playing well 
I think the margin for error and the margin for him dipping in athleticism a little bit uh, is is so small. I mean, he kind of plays like an old man now at this point. He doesn't yeah. uh, jump a lot. So when he loses a little bit of that athleticism and because of the injury that he has uh, going on right now, it's really noticeable. So, I mean, he, he's not able to help on the rebounding end of it. Um, thankfully, for his sake, uh, he's a good enough defensive player in terms of the positioning of defense. He doesn't you know, play well uh, physically enough defense, and obviously he's a, he's a below-average defensive player, but he kind of makes up for his lack of uh, physical athleticism and defense-wise by, by kind of making up for it with his, his mind and his communication. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's thin right now. Like I said, he was starting to look a little bit better, obviously, the first two games, as expected. He looked rusty and uh, not good at all, but then started to hit some shots for a couple of games there and did have a little bit of a better stretch. But like I said, uh, a definite setback in the past week, and, and I'm not – Super optimistic about uh, you know the rest of the 2019 part of the calendar in terms of him being super productive in December, but which is obviously a big problem for the Pistons for their playoff chances, or if you want to uh, you know hope for a rebuild and look for a trade possibly this February or this summer uh, for someone to take on his big contract. Obviously, that's not going to be happening if the injury issues linger. Would you say that this season the big avocado Andre Drummond has taken over mm-hmm. the mantle as the Pistons' best player? Oh, yeah, so so far, certainly. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he's been the best player on the Pistons. He hasn't been outstanding. I think he's been very good for his standards. I would imagine that he's in line for uh, a reserve spot for the Eastern Conference All-Stars uh, when they do the selections, uh, like, you know, kind of a fringe All-Star type of guy like he has been. The counting numbers are strong as they always are with him in terms of the rebounds specifically, and, and the points are up a little bit. The usage was up when, when Blake Griffin – was out. Uh, Andre Drummond kind of returned to his role that he had uh, the last year under Stan Van Gundy, who was kind of a high post hub of the offense kind of guy yeah. that brought the assist numbers up. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's he, he is he one of the top you know twenty players in the NBA. No, but he's been the Pistons' best player this year, and uh, for a team that that's kind of struggling uh, or really struggling at times. Uh, he's been really, really important to whatever success they've had. The Pistons are sort of hovering around that eight seed at the moment. They're about a game behind the Magic in that eight spot. That can change with their game. Uh, recording this before they play uh, the Wizards, of course, coming up, uh, so they can uh, they can flip that script and move into that position. What do they need to do to sort of solidify themselves into that playoff mix? Is it just a matter of getting guys like Griffin healthy and then the return of Reggie Jackson as well? Yeah, I think that the my uh, prognosis of this season, despite, like you said, being one game out, I think that it's more bleak than that. Because if you look at the schedule, they've played a really soft part of the schedule already. They're going to have, uh, coming into the season, the percentages uh, implied that they had the toughest schedule in the league after the All-Star break. A lot of West Coast trips and things like that. So they're in behind the eight ball right now. It's not going very well just because they're one game out of the eighth spot. Uh, I don't, I'm not as optimistic as... Uh, as that would imply. So, you know, I think that they've had some trouble. So what they need to do is uh, continue on what they did against Saturday against Houston and beat some good teams. That was the first good team they've beaten all season. And obviously they were without Russell Westbrook in that one. So they've got to go on the road. They've got to start winning some tough games. I think they're three road wins right now, one of the least, uh, one of the worst road records in the NBA. And uh, not only not beating good teams, but they're also losing to bad teams. They've got seven losses to some of the bums and uh, the worst teams in the NBA, and you can't have that. So I just think that with the schedule they've had, it's a little bit more bleak than the uh, the ninth place and it's hovering around ninth or tenth in the East might suggest. So uh, I'm kind of on the rebuild train myself. I know it's tough to make in-season trades, especially with high-money guys like Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. That might be more for the summer. But uh, to me, you guys start thinking about dumping guys like Langston Galloway. 
on a uh, an expiring deal and then possibly see if you could find someone for Derrick Rose who's having a great start to his season off the bench and could be uh, a nice pickup for a contending team at just $7 million a year. The Pistons' schedule is interesting. They do play the Wizards on Monday, but then they have the Raptors, then the Celtics, Bulls, and Sixers in their next four games after that. Wizards game, not that the Bulls game is all that much of a challenge, but it could be because, again, this team lost back-to-back games against the Hornets. But a couple of real Eastern Conference challenges in there for Detroit. And if they uh, if they do... You'd- Four, they could easily go in you know, one and four in these next five games, and it's going to put them in a pretty significant hole as we start to look towards uh, how that Eastern Conference playoff situation is going to shake out. One last thing, Matt, before I go to go a little bit more positive, Luke Kennard has really taken a step forward this season, and that should give Pistons fans, I guess, some level of hope, not only for this season, but how he has been able to ascend into that role as a starter and uh, in those games where Griffin is out, you know, take on a, a larger usage role and be successful in it. Yeah, we've seen flashes from Luke Kennard over his first couple of years but like you said the consistency this year night in and night out he's he's able to do it and make things happen we know how good of an offensive player he can be here in Detroit I know a lot of team people NBA fans around the league the Pistons are, are far even from an afterthought so people probably don't know Luke Kennard maybe as well as they should as a guy who is a, a pretty good third year player and someone who can get things done offensively obviously you'd like to see the defense come along with him in time, but not just a shooter, not just a guy who stands there and, and knocks down open shots. Uh, he's actually not a great catch and shoot guy, but uh, a playmaker, more of a playmaker than maybe you might think out of the Duke uh, Duke guys. There, he's not a JJ Redick type, but uh, Bruce Brown's also a guy who's came along. They've given him a lot of responsibilities offensively with the injuries they've had at point guard to Reggie Jackson and Derrick Rose, and also Tim Frazier at times too. So he's been forced into that role and uh, been good and bad, but. Uh, you know, 50-50, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. It's probably better than you might expect for a second-year guy, second-round pick who's been thrust into that role, and he's still doing pretty good work defensively, including on Saturday against James Harden. So he's been a, a nice plus for the Pistons, too. Well, I'm going to be watching with interest to see how Blake Griffin does look for this Pistons team and how everything comes together at the back end of that Eastern Conference playoff picture. Matt, you'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Pistons, so thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Absolutely, Josh, anytime. Now I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Kings podcast, Matt George, is here with me. This Sacramento team, Matt, started out uh, poorly this season. We had you on Locked On NBA to talk about that, but since then they have turned things around. They're right in the mix with the playoffs at the moment, currently sitting in the seventh seed. There's a big bunch of teams. We had six teams. It looks like they're going to be called seven teams. I guess you can rule the Grizzlies out, but you never know. They're only a couple of games out. Six or seven teams looking for two spots in the playoffs. We're recording this uh, before the Kings uh, take on the Golden State Warriors on Sunday. They have got Marvin Bagley back. It looks like Darren Fox will be coming back on Tuesday. So with how have they managed to tread water during that time where two of their, people would say two of their best three players before the season started have missed significant chunks of time? It's been a uh, it's been a wishy washy situation over the last uh, month or so, um, and you know me, Josh, the the Sacramento Kings optimist. But after the De'Aaron Fox injury, with Marvin Bagley being out uh, since the first game of the season, the loss uh, to the Suns in Phoenix, uh, I thought for sure the Kings were going to fall in too fall, uh, too deep of a hole that they wouldn't be able to climb out of. But as we all predicted, the Kings played about 500 basketball with both Fox and Bagley out. Now Marvin Bagley has returned, and he's slowly 
slowly uh, starting his work uh, to work his way back into the system. But the the credit that I want to get to right out of the way is the Kings would not be in the position that they are in right now without the uh, the consistent and surprising play of both Nemanja Bjelica, who immediately entered the starting lineup when Bagley went down. And Rashawn Holmes, who has now not only replaced Dwayne Dedman, but taken essentially all of his minutes. Dwayne Dedman now doesn't play um, any minutes at all, or at least hasn't over these last few games. So without the two of them, the Kings are, in my opinion, the worst team in the Western Conference. Uh, but those two, plus the consistent play of Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald, uh, taking a lot of shots, but scoring a lot of points, uh, has kept the Kings at where they're at. And now with Fox returning, there can get uh, they can get right back to their goal, which is trying to make a playoff run. Heald has not only taken a lot of shots, he's also played a lot of minutes. The fewest minutes totals uh, for him in the last nine games is 33, and he's been hovering around that 37 mark for most of that time. I'm glad you brought up Holmes. He is the guy that I did want to talk about here because he did jump into the starting lineup, and he has been uh, inarguably, although someone would have an argument, the Kings' best player during this stretch. Now, the the uh, we've spoken about this before. I think we did it when we did the Kings preview over on Locked On Fantasy Basketball earlier in the season, talking about Marvin Bagley, saying that yeah, I think his best position is at center, and I wish they'd go to that lineup more, you know, play more Harrison Barnes at the four. And now they've found a center who has been the best player on this team during this stretch in uh, in Holmes, and they have decided to do that with Bagley and play him exclusively at center. So, yeah, that, that uh, has caused some confusion with me and with lots of Kings fans with Holmes playing well and Bagley exclusively at center. It's taking Holmes off the court more. Do you think we're going to see these two play together? Because that was, of course, the plan to have Bagley as the four at the beginning of the season. But things seem to have changed. Like, what's that thinking there of exclusively Bagley playing at the five when they seem so resistant to it earlier on? Well, first off, Josh, you're not alone in your confusion. It's something that we in the media have been trying to figure out. And quite frankly, I think it's something that Luke Walton and the Kings are trying to uh, to figure out. The explanation behind it all is simply spacing. And we know how important spacing is, not just, uh, or especially in half-court offensive sets for this Kings squad, even with De'Aaron Fox out, but especially when De'Aaron Fox returns. Uh, the Kings want to keep the paint as open as possible so Fox can get to the rim, even Buddy Heel can get to the rim, and that in turn will hopefully open up the uh, the outside game, and we know this Kings team likes to take uh, and shoot a lot of threes. So the idea is with both Marvin Bagley and Rashawn Holmes on the floor, uh, you are going to lose some of that spacing. You want Marvin Bagley, or at least the Kings want Marvin Bagley, to work mostly at the elbow or at the block around with his back to the basket, uh, which makes Rashawn Holmes almost useless if you just put him on the perimeter and have him sit there and 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 basically do nothing. Uh, Marvin Bagley himself can hit the three, but is not a consistent three-point shooter yet. Uh, so they're worried that trying to put him on the perimeter uh, negates his um, his value or does not put him in the best position uh, to succeed. If the Kings can find a way to run an effective half-court offense with Holmes and Bagley on the floor, I think that would be fantastic because uh, the two of them can prevent or present a lot of issues defensively uh, for other teams. But it's a, it's a work in progress right now. Plus, Nemanja Bialica has been so good and has been consistent for this Kings squad that they want to reward him with uh, his due minutes as well. For people who don't watch the Kings, it, it may seem sacrilegious to, to even think this or say this, but 
with the way that things have been going, if the Kings want to win, Bielitsa and Holmes, they need to be playing those minutes probably ahead of Bagley because the sample size you know, is small for what we've seen from Bagley, but even what we saw last year, what those two are providing in that front court is more than what we've seen from Bagley in their ability to work off each other, provide that defensive help, to provide that spacing as well. So I guess it's going to come down to do the Kings, uh, how much are they valuing the development of Bagley, their prize number two overall pick from a year ago, or how much are they prioritizing winning and getting into the playoffs? Can they mesh those two together? That's something that they are going to have to discover over these next um, yeah, few weeks to see you know, which direction they want to go. Because if they can't get that combination to work, do they then prioritize Bagley or do they go back to, look, no, we need to win. So he's going to have to go back to a smaller role to get the players who are actually helping us to win to get in there. So what would be, you know, how would you, how do you, would you think that the front office and the coaching staff would look at that sort of an issue if things have gone as they have looked over these last few weeks would they look to prioritise Bagley or they just say well it's just not happening for you at the moment we need to get the the better players out there Josh, your your or uh, your observation is absolutely spot on. The Kings are in a weird situation right now, where they're trying to put development on the back burner and and make winning the most important part uh, of this team. That's why we've seen them essentially go completely away from Harry Giles this season. Giles was expected to be someone who we thought was going to compete uh, for at least consistent minutes off of the bench and maybe try and make a name for himself as the starting center along with Bagley. Uh, but that has not been the case whatsoever. In my opinion, or based off of my understanding of the Kings, they're going to do everything they can to win uh, right now. But they do firmly believe that regardless of how they play Marvin Bagley, he can continue to develop while helping the team win uh, right now. So it's kind of maybe more of a hopeful and optimistic viewpoint of a best case scenario situation rather than them uh, making the smart or right decision, which would be uh, Holmes and Bielitsa over him right now. I appreciate that they have been bringing him off the bench, which I think is the right move. Uh, but it's telling to me that in, in games, for example, uh, these last two games, one a loss and one a win, Marvin Bagley wasn't on the floor to end the game. It was Rashawn Holmes. And I think Rashawn has uh, deserved that. It is going to be really interesting to watch, and now especially as Fox returns, likely during the week, this Kings team back at full strength. Um, Matt, we're going to be watching intently to see if they can break this playoff drought, and you'll have it all covered for us over on Locked On Kings over the coming weeks and months. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Always a pleasure. Let's uh, let's end this long playoff drought and get some uh, postseason basketball back in Sacramento. That's all we really want. And that'll do it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Locked On NBA. If you can give us a five-star rating or review, that would be fantastic over on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.